Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Raj G. Baines, back in the house. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm not so bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's good to have you back. I like it. Thank you. It's just, it's, you know, it's it's putting on the comfortable trousers that I know I can just, you know, slip into and it's it's good, you know? All the, all the stains... The slip into. Yeah. <laughs> all the stains are in the same places. I know, you know... I know, kind of, well, I don't know, I don't really know where this metaphor is going, but it's good to have you back, mate. Um, I believe the metaphor was that I was stained old trousers, but we'll we'll run with it. Yeah, you know, let's do it. Come on, we're all... We're all I'll take the compliment. We're out, all mate. stained old trousers here, mate. Um, yeah, 100%. How, uh, how's life? How's, uh, how's, are you looking forward to coming to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium next year for work? <laughs> oh, I told you I'm not jinxing anything so uh, everything's going very well at work at, at, at present and, and long may that continue that's all I want to say on that touch wood alright alright take it being coy um, <laughs> coys is what I'm being well yeah there we go that's what we're here for today um, the dust has settled a bit now it was, it was you know it was a, the weekend lost to Brighton um, yeah. what are your overarching thoughts on that one because I mean, I mean my opinion it was it was Nuno ball again. It was an awful performance. Every like the players kind of weren't with it. I wasn't. I wasn't particularly happy with it at the time. No, I'm still not kind of happy with it now. But you could, weirdly, you could see it coming. Brighton are doing well at the minute, and um, they've just been to Arsenal and won. And there was almost that. Whenever we get too self-assured, uh, since Pochettino's left, whenever we've had any moment of real confidence, there's been a, a real bump back to earth. And I kind of half assumed that would happen again and, and could uh, as soon as uh, the game started going the way it was going you could tell that the only team we were going to score were them yeah um and it's really strange we just the the way reliant shifts in this team and this squad and and momentum is is such a a fleeting thing uh, it never really felt comfortable even when we'd we'd won a couple of games and we felt good about spurs again there was there's always that lingering feeling that's that you know uh a slide or a disappointment wasn't that far away. There's not a, an overarching confidence to any of this. Did you, I mean, were you disappointed with Conte at all? Because it seemed, once again, that there wasn't a, a plan B in place. We were sort of overrunning midfield. We we kind of saw a bit of what we saw in the first half against Villa. There were, the cracks sort of looked like they were forming there a bit. And obviously we blew Villa away second half and it became a bit irrelevant. But 
Again, it seemed like Tottenham were being a bit overrun in midfield. Mwepo and Basuma just were too much for for our lot to handle, and we just kind of carried on in the way that we we always have done. I guess hoping that we could get the ball to Son and Kane, which didn't materialise at all. Um, yeah. And there wasn't much more to it. I mean, did, did, does that concern you at all? Because I mean, we seem to we. It's not a problem at the moment that we're we're not playing two games a week, but people have already sort of given Conte a pass on that front. And I get it. I, it sounds like I'm leading the anti-Conte charge, but I feel like we do need a bit of balance, as we've just been listening to for the past few weeks. How what we're seeing at the moment is better than anything we ever saw under Pochettino, which I highly refute. But you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that's bollocks. Um, it's odd one because, especially with the midfield thing, I don't know how much of that is actually by design, um, and I don't mean like being outplayed, but. That doesn't really seem to be a battleground that interests Conte. It doesn't seem to be an area of the park where he's like overly concerned what happens. I went to go see Spurs live against Man United at Old Trafford and midfield was just sort of a conduit for to other things rather than it being a real focus of anything that we were doing attackingly, attacking or defensively. It was just something that had to exist because that part of the field exists. He sort of seems so concerned with what's happening at full-back up front and at and in defence and, and how he links those things up. The central areas of the field really sort of feel like an afterthought stranger under him and that's that's something that I think, I'm not, no expert, but I think has been a, a feature of his management style wherever he's been. It's not really been a, a strong suit of his to have a, an amazing field. It's always been really strong defence, decent on attack, taking chances on the break and, and the wing-backs being the thing that links all those up and when it works, it works, and when it doesn't, it doesn't. And I think that's been the case again wherever he's gone. He's not a manager that, you know, in a Klopp Guardiola style, has like a this this mindset or, or ability to coach a team that then just plays people off the park and 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 you know controls games. Even when we win three four nil, it doesn't feel like we've run the game and it's been you know hundred no. percent yeah. Tottenham. It is. It's just three or four really big blows and, and all of that intent going in the right sort of place. And there's there's obviously success to that. And if you you know do that enough times in a row and, and everything, then that's you know, brilliant. But it's probably half the reason why he doesn't do as well in Europe and stuff, because doing that over the course of two legs, you're, you're more likely to get found out. Doing it against better class of opposition, you're more likely to get found out and people are, 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 more, are more able to sort of... Uh, you know, get used to how to play against you. And it's just, um, yeah, it's rather than a concern or something that surprises me, it just seems to be something that comes with the territory of having Conte as your manager. And, you know, when it goes well, it goes really well. When it goes badly, it's it's Brighton and, and however many other games we've sort of not really performed in winning. It's funny, it's, it's interesting what you touch on there because I kind of felt that after the Newcastle game, definitely felt it after the Villa game, that the scoreline doesn't really tell an accurate picture of how the game's gone. You know, we sort of seen for the past couple of years now, like you were saying, under Klopp, Liverpool kind of barnstorm teams and really look good value for their 4-5-0 wins, you know, really kind of taking it seems. But like I say, Spurs just seem to be... And I, I, this isn't a criticism, it's just more an observation that we kind of, we seem to be drilled in the right time to, to pick a team apart to have certain kind of moves uh, implemented and probably heavily drilled that we implement with ruthless 
ruthless efficiency because we have players yeah. like Sonnen Kane in the team and Kulisevsky, who's been a, a pretty wonderful addition, actually, to the team. Um, I've, the, One thing I did want to talk to you about, actually, and this isn't a gotcha. I'm not trying to fucking revise history because I think we all knew that Matt Doherty was woeful, but he has yeah. he has definitely come back into the fold of late. Um and he has sort of seemed to prove pretty integral to... He seems to be basically the foundation, the base of most of our attacks. Him and Kulisevsky have seemingly forged a pretty decent partnership. Um, are you kind of worried about his absence at all at the moment? Because I'm I'm still... I'm just not taken with Emerson Royale. I mean, I know there's kind of there's the talk that he could play maybe in a more central role or this. I just, I'm just not that convinced by him. Um at all at the moment would you I mean I know you sort of said before you'd quite like Lavernia to be playing would you just lob him in uh, that was not because I have any sort of uh, you know insight into how good he is just because he he wasn't any of the other two and you know how much worse can he be how much you know Surely he does his development some good to just chuck him in and see how well he does and, and all that sort of stuff at, at this point but I'm with you on it I'd, I'd give it him just it can't get any worse can it but um on the Doherty thing, I'm I'm pleased that he's actually playing football and looks like a professional who's seen the ball on the sport previously because <laughs> he hasn't for a very long time. And it, there's there's a point to this where you are pleased for him that he's doing well, but you've got to temper that as well because the the expectations and the the levels were so low that but him merely being competent and actually contributing in a half reliable and, and consistent sense. I don't want that to be mistaken for him being like the solution to all right back problems or that, you know, that's the best we can get or anything like that. Him merely being competent and doing his job shouldn't be like a, a reason for us to celebrate. It's it's great for him that he's turned it around and a shame for him that he's got injured at that point. But I don't want to, you don't want to go from one extreme to the other with it. And it's, we sort of, we've had this with a few different players at Spurs where, just purely because we've not been ruthless enough in in how we go about transfers and everything like that, and we haven't moved on from players nearly quickly enough. We've seen players given enough rope to hang themselves with, and then come back to life and start again, like respawn. Like Musoko was there for about four years before he was, you know, half decent or anything. He was a you know a constant joke and a, a something we laughed at and. You know, to a different extent, Moussa Dembele was somebody who you, you know, you famously wanted his contract to be cancelled, and then he, <laughs> before he um, became the midfielder, he what he wanted to be. So it's it's strange, isn't it? It's I got, I've kind of become more cynical with age in these sort of things because previously I think I'd have been like, oh, amazing for him. Look at what we've got. All the patiences. Um, born out, you know, if it was a different club, they would have thrown him on the heap. He'd be playing excellently elsewhere, similar to, you know, almost a Walker Peters trajectory. But with him, I kind of, I do temper it with the fact that he has played games so badly that it, it just genuinely looks like he's wanted the opposition to do better. And just because he's doing well now, I want to see him do it for a season or two and him actually be exceptional across the, the cross of you know, the course of a year rather than, you know, what is it, 10, 15 games or whatever he's been mm. decent in. Um, and that might be me being Ash. And no, I'm, but it's kind of how I feel about him. Winks a lot of the time as well, you know, because I think he, he's a sort of player you could you could lump into that kind of category that you were talking about there, the kind of players that go back and forth from the brink. Um, and we've seen him fluctuate throughout his Tottenham career now. Uh, I do sort of still think Winks 
got injured at a pretty unlucky time during his development, but it is what it is, and we're kind of at a place now where, I like you say, I'm just too cynical with it. You can see him come in and less so probably in the past few months, but we have seen phases where he's come on, looked all right for a couple of games, and then just tends to revert back to being Harry Winks again, who doesn't know when to release the ball, doesn't seem to read any of the game that's happening around him, just plays kind of... Send him on loan to Fulham for a year. You know? Send him on loan to Fulham. Sell him to Newcastle, you know? I, 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 this is the thing, though, with him with him showing potential and having the ability to actually play and, and play in a way that is, is conducive in the, to the way that, that Tottenham want to in an overarching sense rather than just a Conte sense. If we don't want to give up on that yet and he's got a decent contract and everything... There's no harm in just sending him somewhere where he's going to play week in, week out, each, each, you know, a decent level in the Premier League at a club who, you know, have the ambition to play well. It looks more than likely that both Fulham and Bournemouth will come up automatically. Give him to one of them for a year because he'll more Napoli take He's better than what they've currently got in midfield in the Premier League sense. And if they, you know, both of them can afford his wages and what have you. Go see what he can do there. See if he rebuilds his confidence. See if he plays after this. And, and if he don't, then we've got the answer to that question. If he does, then we can either, you know, we've inflated his his worth and we can sell him on if we choose to, or we can, you know, keep him and, and roll that dice again. And we don't seem to use the market to our advantage as much. Look at something like what Chelsea have done with Conor Gallagher and stuff. We don't mm. do that with anyone. He's, he looks like one of the most exciting players in the division and Chelsea sat there laughing because he's theirs. They don't, they don't have to go and spend 50, 60 million that they would have had to get him for elsewhere. That He's just theirs. And he's been on, what, two year, two loans in, in two years now at, at different places where he's actually played a decent amount of football and, and got better with each loan. Like You can't really sniff at that. He's such there's, a little Chelsea prick as well, Conor Gallagher. Yeah, there's... there's but it's a perfect example of how to use the market, yeah. how to actually get the best out of your players and, and what to do. We we seem to just be intent on sending people to League One rather than actually like getting people into... They seem to skip from a stage of development between academy and first team that they just really need to, to boost up on. And, uh, you know, if... Lavanier, or, or however you pronounce his name, if he's ready to be considered for the first team, he's been on bench the other week, why ain't he alone at a top-end championship team? Or why ain't he you know, playing for Norwich or something like that? Mm. If he's not going to play for us, what what good's he got in Premier League 2 in the 23s? Like it's, it don't make sense to me. But that's it's different for, for each club and how you want to handle your, your players coming up and everything. But well, it, it does playing seem minutes funny, and getting experiences. Isn't it? I mean, I think this is kind of a symptom of our, let's just, should we say, I don't know, shoddy transfer recruitment of the past few years I mean it might it might be steadily improving now but just a kind of a lack of a kind of practical approach to it the fact that we kind of lost Lorente who I still think is a wildly undervalued kind of player in the kind of pantheon of Tottenham's recent history um the, the yeah the quality he had but not the fact that he was a a pretty much kind of like-for-like replacement with Harry Kane. I'm not saying has the same ability, but his yeah. function on the pitch, the way he could operate kind of as, as a, not only as an outlet, as a striker, but the fact he could play in the build-up as well. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of now stuck in this position where we've got somebody like Dane Scarlett, who 
we obviously think very highly of at the club, but still have concerns as to how developed he is at the moment, who is just having to hang around to fill in in case Kane gets injured or whatever, you'd assume, you know, to make up yeah. numbers. But like you say, somebody like Dane Scarlett, who you know, apparently has a hell of a lot of ability, why isn't he at somewhere like Norwich? Why isn't he at somewhere like Palace or Newcastle? You know, kind of banging in a few goals and getting like- his confidence up. Someone in top 10 in championship, like rattling them in, Dominic Solanke, who, who's not had a great Premier League career up until now, Mitrovic, scoring, you know, 20-odd, 40 goals a season in the, in the second flight. Playing two games a week, being in that environment, being around season pros, getting some goals into you, all that sort of stuff helps. That's going to help him much more than just sitting on the bench for Spurs for a season. You know, as good as we are, as, as sort of... As nice as it will be for him to train with the the you know the first team lads and everything, nothing is as good for a player as reps and getting that into him and that mentality and probably grow him up some. If we're worried about his him being slight or or you know his his mentality or whatever, a year in championship will grow him straight up and you actually get a measure of you know what sort of lad he is if he's got the hunger for it or not. If he's going to go somewhere and prove himself and, and score a few or not, it is you've got to get that out of them and I think they, we don't do that enough we you know we, we talked about you know I, I don't know how we've got here from the right back conversation but somebody like Troy Parrott who's at MK Dons is having a it's taken him a long time to actually turn around and and get to a point where he's a player they really like now and he it came from a point where he was the next best thing at Spurs a few mm. years ago he was the one he was going to be he was the heir apparent to Harry Kane wasn't he exactly and now he's it doesn't look as if he's got a first team future with Tottenham because we we sort of we still to him are a really important point in his progression. He was scoring like what four or five goals a week in our academy, and we just we didn't really do much with him. We we sent him on loans to places that just seemed like it was somewhere to send him on loan rather than being any joined up thinking about him and stuff. And that side of what we do in our football operations just really seems to be lacking. Well, it's funny because, I mean, really, we did that with Kane as well. The only reason why Kane is where he is now is because he's just a, a complete exception. He's one of those people, players that's just wired in that way of yeah, wanting we did to it get with to so the many top, people. You know? And I mean, like, I just. Ryan Mason I on shitloads of loads. People can say, people can hold up somebody like Kane or fucking Cristiano Ronaldo as an example of perseverance getting you to where you want to get to, but. You know, these, <laughs> how many players are, you know, Harry Kane is literally one of the greatest players in footballing history, really. He just is, you know, yes. and it's, you you can't expect, you cannot hold everyone to that kind of standard. Um, no. But like you say, yeah, we have sort of uh, meandered, but that's, yeah, this is, this is a joy. Yeah, Royal, to your point, is, uh, yeah, he's, he doesn't look great. But again, I think the wider point I was trying to work to is we'll probably keep hold of him now for four or five years, and in year three or four, we'll suddenly yeah. think he's the greatest. And, you know, he's and, and this is the thing, this is, you know, having seen kind of already the impact that Conte has arguably had on a few of our players already, namely Doherty, Ryan Sessegnon, I don't really want to go writing off Royale too heavily. That's that's the thing, yeah. you know. Um, the one thing that undercuts all that for me, though, sorry, Jack, yeah. is do you have any, like, wider confidence in, this is like year one of Conte. Mm-hmm. With these players that are suddenly looking up, when we had Pochettino and, and stuff, and he he made Carl Walker into the best Carl Walker he was, he made Danny Rose into the best Danny Rose he was, he did the work with you know Mason, Bentaleb, countless others, all that sort of stuff. 
it felt as though it was heading somewhere and it felt as though when we made a decision on those players it was coming from a place that the head coach had some saying had some sort of um, your thinking behind it was all a, a joined up plan and a long termism to what we were doing and that's kind of what helped with you know, at the, you know, at the time we we didn't like the fact that we went two years without signing anybody, but there was almost a badge of honour in that. Oh, we've got a manager and we've got a squad that has got some consistency here. There's players here that want to be here for Pochettino, all that sort of stuff. But with Conte, there isn't the confidence, at least from me, that we, we pile all this into Sessegnon now and he he looks better, which is great. Or Doherty and he looks better, which is great, but. Is Conte going to be there in a year or two's time to get him to the next level, to push him even higher? Is he? This all seems very temporary to me still. And there's endless reports of... There's only so much you can believe of it as well, but you've got to take him with a grain of salt. But there's no smoke without a fire. And endless reports of PSG are talking to him. He'd like to go here. He's not happy with this. He's made so many other comments in the press. Like It's so up and down. It's, so, it's such... It's so weirdly toxic and like unstable. You you don't really know if you're coming or going or where you stand with it all. It's kind of you're waiting for the rug to get pulled up from underneath you and and Spurs to be left in a position where we're looking for the next bloke or you know this is happening. There's you know constant seemingly be briefings or or leaks that you know Levy's still intent on bringing Pochettino back and stuff like that, which you know you wouldn't be against, but you don't know. Uh, at that point, are we getting damaged goods? Is it going to be good? Like Nobody would be... Well, people would, but out of us two, we'd love to see that happen, but is it actually a good thing for us? Or, you know, It's all such a weird mishmash of things. Like I kind of feel like we're in a position where we just need to do everything we possibly can this season on and off the field to get into the Champions League, get that back beneath us, get us to a point where hopefully other clubs have worked themselves out of a position where Harry Kane's a viable option so we can just sign him up on a deal and get him to, you know, tie him up to a point where nobody's actually going to want him when he's in his early mid-30s or whatever. And just take it from there and see where that takes us because it's such a weird position for us to be in because, you know, somebody like Steven Bergwijn who's had a few standout moments this season... You hear more about him leaving than him being given a chance. Like it's everything seems, I don't know, fleeting at Tottenham at the minute. It doesn't seem to be any consistency or long termism or, or just no. It do, it does safety in anything. Yeah, and I think this is this is still my kind of concern because you know what I did want to sort of find out from you really is really how you were feeling about Conte because we haven't spoken for a while. How you were feeling about him, where you think Spurs are at. You know there was. A lot of talk and you kind of got sucked into it half myself. This sort of sense that there did seem to be a a real sort of momentum shift uh, the past few weeks at Tottenham. Could we be the sort of team that could maybe maybe capitalise? Could we be a kind of Poundland Chelsea, if you like, and be the team that isn't really the best in the country, but is the best at capitalising when the best teams are having a bit of an off year. You know, Liverpool, City having a very long, drawn-out ding-dong this year, emotionally, physically drained. Um, Could we sort of, you know, because this is generally what we see Chelsea do. We'll see Chelsea come in and just win the league on those off years. 
could Tottenham be that team? And I, I do wonder if, because I, I really agree with you. I've, I, and this is the thing. Like people are, people will instantly take it that you're being negative, that you're not kind of whatever on board with this Conte thing. And it's, it's not that I'm, I'm not on board of it per se. I just, I can't lie to myself, you know, and I can't, I can't pretend that I'm head over heels in love with this, that I, I trust this project and that I think everything about it is fun, that I feel a part of it, that I feel that we've got this kind of core group of like, of lads. And maybe, but, but my point to this is maybe as fans, maybe as supporters as Tottenham are turning into a different type of club, maybe this is kind of... Uh, an alignment process for us in terms of what we what we get from football what what we're supposed to be kind of enjoying um because you know are we just kind of becoming one of these teams these top end teams that are just ruthless that they're just you know you don't really fall in love with any of the players you just kind of realize that they're professionals they're doing a job and the manager isn't it's not a project it's not a big kind of hugs and kisses after we beat somebody in a Champions League semi-final and he cries when he's talking to the press it's somebody that's there to win and he wants players alongside him that are there to win and if they don't he gets rid of them and you know I, I it, it makes me uncomfortable feeling that like this is kind of what we might have to get on board with but maybe this is just maybe this is kind of what football is like at the top end of it now because I look at for example, I look at somebody like Manchester City, right, and they are they're, they're obviously a fantastic team. What what Guardiola is achieving there, if we take out the kind of human rights offences and where the kind of money is coming from and what the what they're trying to legitimise with that money, if you just look at it on the on the you know the bare sort of bones of it, he takes good players great players and makes them exceptional and he makes them an exceptional team unit but again you know I probably haven't seen for a few years now really really like a a a city team that I look at and think like wow look at them what a good bunch of lads and I think you know now we're not in direct competition with them anymore and I, I I really hate I really hate to feel this way. I really do. But I cannot help but admire Liverpool and what Klopp has achieved there because I think they are they are everything that we were hoping Tottenham could be. You know, that, that kind of... Because they do still seem to have an identity that is that is just tied to Klopp and it does seem to be a family and it does seem to be all the stupid shit that they've always said that their club is. Mm that has manifested and it is it it does seem like a brilliant thing and if I'm brutally honest I I probably do want them to win the Premier League I would like them to because I'm bored of Manchester City and there's not a lot that I like about them and I would say that probably I've obviously always detested Chelsea but when you look at kind of like the history of their albeit short history Chelsea as a football club of recent times when you think about kind of that Drogba, Lampard, John Terry sort of team, Petr Cech. That was kind of their last team of personalities. From that point, they've come on and win the league. They've won it under Conte famously in you know the year that they stopped us from doing it. 
but what what is it about that Chelsea team that really stands out? Nothing. It's just a group of players that won the league. And I kind of feel that about Manchester yeah, City. Yeah, fell apart the year after. Yeah, for the past few years. I look at Man City and I just think like, who are they really... Now Aguero's gone, now Company's gone. I suppose De Bruyne's like the last relic or something. They've kind of yeah, got... That's that, not who you're looking for personality. No, nah, exactly. The homegrown hero in Foden. But it's still... It's cold. You know, it's just cold. And that's kind of... In a way, that's kind of what I feel about Tottenham and Conte. So I'm not, I'm not kind of buying into the whole like Conte cam. I've got to love him. I have to love everything that he does. But at the same time, it means that it it doesn't mean that just because I'm not that warm on him that you know what he's potentially going to do at Tottenham can't be good. You know, because I I still think yeah. he's a brilliant manager. He obviously <laughs> is. Um, and I'm not going to sort of deny that Tottenham are playing better football, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not that, I'm not that invested in it yet. And I think probably, I think the lingering thing behind this, as you're sort of saying there, whether it's a subconscious thing that's weighing on my mind or not, is that he has this short contract and that's still mm. there. And we don't, we don't know how that's going to play out. So it's kind of hard to get too invested in somebody that, you know, People, people. There's an air of wishful thinking about it. Is in like stop being so negative. Conte's here for the long run, but there's there's no kind of rational sort of hypothesis behind that. It's just yeah, he people won the league with Inter and walked out on them because he didn't want to spend exactly. enough money and stuff. So there's 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 nothing that people can say to me. Oh, you're just being overly. I'm I'm not being overly negative. I'm I'm honestly not trying to be. I'm just trying to be honest about it and the way it's I. It's a feel once is in a it, lifetime thing. This, having that perfect storm of the manager, the squad. The fans are all buying into the same thing is is once in a lifetime, and you see it at every club. At uh, Man United, it was Fergie, and perhaps that went on for too long because now they're they're still having a hangover from that. Uh, Arsenal had it with Wenger, and they they got to a point where they hounded him out to a point where it was almost embarrassing for him, and that didn't get to to end in a in the manner it probably should have done. From hounding out a fella at one you a double. You know, you know, built the stadium for you, Shame all that sort on of them, shit. Man. Yeah, like, honestly, it's, yeah, absolute disgrace. Um, Liverpool, it's it's not happened for a generation since the eighties or something that that they've had a a team like this. They've, what was it, thirty odd years between league titles for a club that big, and that they had to wait for for Klopp. They had moments where they liked Benitez here and there. They won the Champions League and stuff, but not for a sustained period like this. I don't think it was as happy off the field as it as it is right now. Um, you know, City in the the first Guardiola years and what have you, it's it's still not like the a club I look at and I'm all jealous of like being a part of from a fan's perspective. Yeah, the football's great and everything, but the stands don't ever look full. The the you know the supporters don't. You know, it's it's not like a, an atmosphere or anything. I'm ever like, oh, I wish we had that sort of a thing. Newcastle have got a little bit of it now because they they feel so good about a bloke having left, but that's not the same thing, is it? Like they, what they had. You know, a few years with with Rock, um, uh, Sir Bobby, where they they you know they felt some of that, but then he got sacked and everything. We had it with Pochettino. Leeds felt it with Bielsa, and now they're kind of you know a shell of themselves. They you know their fans are in open war with each other each week on social media. If you know they're happy that somebody's won, they're all calling each other out for not being you know pro Bielsa enough and stuff. It's it's weird I, how it I, works. I didn't like old mate calling out sort of that sort of side eye he did to Bielsa. You call him old mate now. What did you call him on social media, Jack? Captain Hot Dog. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> did you like that one? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's strange, isn't it? It's just, 
it, it, it seems to happen at more than just our club. And sometimes because you, you get so blinded by being a supporter of one team that you, you kind of don't notice the fact that it seems to happen everywhere. And there are still clubs that are searching for it, like you know, countless teams are looking for it. Wolves, for example, they're great love affair was with Nuno who lasted about three months with us like it, it's it's so strange like I just it's a really difficult thing to replicate and sort of until all the sanctions and everything I, I, I mentioned it somewhere I can't remember who I was having a conversation with but like Chelsea got to the best part of what they needed to be by just almost building in that short-termism as like a feature of who they are that became their identity that yeah we'll have this you know at most two three years with this person even a year or two and they'll do what we can we'll get what we can out of them whether it's a player or a manager they'll do they'll win whatever they win and we'll move on to the next one and they've done that so often to such success more often than not that they don't really have these hangovers because they don't have the necessity to and that's I'm not sort of I'm not saying that's the way, and I'd, I definitely don't want that to be what Tottenham becomes. I would rather have five years of Pochettino and feel something than two years of somebody and not. Um, but it, it just depends what you what you think football is for, what it's about, what you want in and out of it, whether or not a trophy, regardless of how it's made you feel and, and the way and the route there is enough to sort of fulfil you or the... Or the journey of it all—it's more philosophical than anything. And mm. it, you know, we, we always tend to do this whenever we speak, Jack. We get a bit airy fairy about it all, but that's the the way we think and feel and are about the sport. It's not a—it's not a means to an end. It's not a a black and white subject. It's a purely emotional thing. That's the level on which we engage and, and feel it, and and that is borne out in the opinions we have and the. the the emotions we have regarding the game and, and what we want back from it being having a Tottenham that I am proud of I but I actively want to go and see and support and feel represented by and a part of is is something I is what I want from my team I want mm. a team that I feel part of and and feel a, a part of a collective of and, and feel as if there is a shared goal and desire and 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 you know view on the the sport and the world as a whole that might be a bit much but you know what i mean just a yeah a unity there that that goes beyond simply football um and we don't have that and and you don't know where it's coming from or or, or where it's going to come from next west ammo had sacked Moyes once before and now because they're having a bit of success and stuff they you know nespex thing since sliced bread and people are talking about Olympic Stadium actually feeling like their home stadium and stuff, but how long does that last before, you know, it goes tits up again? Like, it's it's such a strange thing. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, what I will say is I definitely want him to... Uh, I want Conte to see out at least the full term of his contract that he has with us at the moment, and perhaps yes. even more, because it, it isn't... It's not healthy for the club. Not, yeah, he's a great manager. Number one, most importantly, whatever I think about him is I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna remove that. Um, even if he does get a pass for only being able to manage one game a week, but still, um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 I want him to say because it's healthy for the team. It's, it's not good to be kind of in this state of flux. And nor do I really, you know, I, I just don't really want Pochettino back at this time now. You know, that's kind of, I think that's something I've settled on in. In that I do, I 
want him back at some point in the future. But just it being too close, it being such a culture war again now, people mm-hmm. desperate to, you know, because I'm always, I'm always going to, you know, hold a torch for Pochettino. I'm always going to stick up for him. Can um, we have the Pochettino conversation now? Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got it, I've got it lined up on on here on the on the running order. I'm sorry to say, mate. Um, it's all right. But we, uh, you know, at, at at this point in time, you know, it's I don't I don't want it to become a culture war. Like I say, you know, mm. you you people are excited about Conte, and people are annoyed with people kind of clinging on to the past with Pochettino. And I understand that. I think some people just want to get on with it people want to see Tottenham kind of stop kind of harping back to when we nearly won stuff and embrace actually win some yeah stuff. exactly actually win stuff and embrace it with you know again a trademark proven winner under Antonio Conte and and I get that I do I do really get that but you know it it, it doesn't have to I, I think there's a there's a level of kind of willful ignorance um, in people saying that Poch wasn't actually all that, you know. And maybe it's—I think some of it's from younger fans who probably don't maybe fully appreciate the scope of what Pochettino achieved with Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but that kind of revisionism—it um, just—it's it, just—it's—it's it's stupid for me, and it's untrue. It's untrue to suggest that Pochettino somehow didn't didn't do everything he could with a with a fantastic team. I mean, Hugo Lloris himself said it in an interview not long ago. It's like, you know, it's all well and good to be a good team at Tottenham, but you're fighting against monsters, you know, and that uh, and we are. We cannot just ignore that. We can't and this is it's there's such a disingenuous level of, you know, I guess punditry and just football kind of coverage in this country that loves to jump on Tottenham's failures, if you like, or said failures when we don't turn up, if you like, in a semi-final against a Chelsea or a United or somebody. like We just have to pretend constantly that these clubs don't have... And yeah, we're, we're making strides to change that. But for the majority of Pochettino's tenure, you know, we we were going up against like Chelsea and all right, Leicester won it in that season, but that was a complete freak and half the league I still defy anybody that reckons that the majority of the league weren't on their side in that season um, so I mean where we are at Pochettino though you know I don't I, I don't personally want him back at this time I think even after PSG I'd like to see him have another job somewhere you know go Dortmund or wherever I don't know somewhere more that he's not in this kind of weird he's gonna he's getting you know He's getting the monkey off his back at the moment. He's he's won the French Cup. He's going to win the league this year, um, so he's got his "I haven't won anything" stuff off his off his back. And I think now he can go into another club. Thankfully, it hasn't been Manchester United, um, and perhaps build up another project again, similar to similar to the one he did with Tottenham. You know, whether it is a club like Dortmund or something like that, I don't know. Hopefully, like I say, it won't be another club in England. Um, and I'd just like to see him kind of get his confidence back a bit because he looks like a shell of himself um, there. And I, I don't want him to inherit a post kind of Conte Tottenham either that's likely going to be fragmented and a fan base that's going to be all over the shop, you know. Um, where are you sort of on it if you if you kind of are interested in this Pochettino 
thread. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I kind of wanted to pick your brains on it because I'm less... And this isn't a definite either way, but I'm less certain I want him back than I was before. Mm. And I'm not entirely sure why. I don't know if it's the the desire to progress. There is a romantic element there. And much like you, I'll always... That'll, those years will probably be my favourite years of supporting Tottenham regardless because they're you know, exactly the right time of my life. And all the players, the, the way it came about, the, the place he took over from and everything, it was just extremely hard to replicate and, and all that sort of thing. Going from White Hart Lane to the new stadium and all that sort of stuff, It's all of that stuff is, is never going to be done again, at least not in our lifetimes. Um, but I was, you know, in the summer, I was like all for it. We, You know, we did podcasts about it. We wanted him back there. And then, like, if he was going to sack off PSG and come back home as soon as possible, we loved it. But I don't know what it is. I don't know if... I don't know if he seems like damaged goods. Um, I don't know if it's it feels like a step backwards. Um, I'm not against your idea of him having another job, but that again just opens the door to there being so many more um, variables. Because what if he goes to another job and you know finds success there and and finds somewhere he feels like he belongs again? Is he going to want to stay there for a long time? Mm. Um, at that point. You know, Conte is not going to stay there for the period of another Pochettino job. When he ends, when his time ends, we're going to have to probably have another manager. And are those timelines ever going to line up again? Are we just going to constantly be chasing our tail? And you know, if if the next best thing comes up between now and then, and and we miss out on them because we're we're still trying to chase something from the past, like it. I think I said it in the summer to you where I kind of felt like that was the moment. If it's not happening now, it's not going to happen. And I kind of, as further away we get from it, I kind of I feel more like that. It almost feels as if, I don't want it to feel like we force a situation with it. Because I think if we, we, we force a situation too much with it, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to work. It almost feels like it's, it needs to be something that happens in like, 20 years or something bizarre. Like it's, he comes back like as his last job or... I don't know, it feels less natural now than it did before. And there's an element of it as well where he probably could have done better at PSG. And there's so many so many variables for this and so many reasons why, you know, it's not entirely his fault. There's all the different things. But when you do look at it like a layman and you kind of boil it down to the team he's got and, you know, that front three he's got and everything, they should be walking a lot of things. And, yeah. you know, he's got the best player that's ever played the game and stuff. And, 
I don't know. It, it, it seems strange. I don't want to take away from anything he's ever achieved before or how good a manager or coach mm. or person or whatever I think he is, but I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to temper romanticism with realism at the same time and mm. and and try and actually keep a level head about it because what you don't want and what I'd love to avoid, I'd rather he never never manages Tottenham again than he comes back and, and shits on a legacy that is at, at present absolutely remarkable. Um, like if he came back and he was just terrible from day one and we ended up like sacking him after six months or like we were just like, oh, this isn't the same, this is a bit weird. Like we're trying to get back together for kids or whatever and it's just, it's not what it was before or whatever. Like it's just an odd one for me. I just I do I sort of know, know what you mean. It, 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 you know, it is, it's uh, it's an uncomfortable one and you know, it's, it, like you say, it's more just about whether or not it will ever line up properly, you know? The the timelines yeah. and everything like that. You just, you don't want to be kind of chasing after something that happened. I mean, I mean, I think the thing for me is that if it happens, it, it, it happens and I'm fully on board with it because let's be honest, but... Yeah, in, the, in, the, I'm, in I'm, a very I'm, similar way to like Gareth Bale coming back, I was like, oh yeah, this is fun now, it's happening. But it wasn't as if I sat there all summer going, what we need is Gareth Bale no. back on loan for a year. And I just, I do kind of feel that what is going to happen with Pochettino if he does come back is, you know, I'm not going to speculate on how well or not it will go, but I do kind of feel like it will be one of those things where it'll be like, there's not really many managers out there to hire will have just come to the end of whether it's Conte or whether it's a failed experiment after that with a I don't know insert name here yeah we've got heart we're half a season in Pochettino's out of work and we just kind of think right fuck it let's give Pochettino like like we've done with Conte let's give him an 18 month contract and just see what happens you know should I tell you what it is 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 his stock when he left Tottenham could not have been any higher mm. given the job he did he was one of the hottest managers on the planet. That's why he got the PSG job. You don't walk into that team with that amount of money mm-hmm. without being highly valued. He's been linked to Barcelona, Real Madrid, Man United, Man City, everyone. Every Literally, there wasn't a club who, with the possibility of being your manager, didn't want Pochettino. His stock is nowhere near as high now after mm. this PSG stint. And it almost... That that damage goods element of it is is present and you know is is hard to get past, um, as harsh as that might sound. Um, the optical optics of it aren't right, and you know to extend on something you said before. The way in which it would work is if he went to another team where he wasn't expected to do as well, and he had another Tottenham like stint for a couple of years, or even a Southampton like stint where he. He turned something around. He did really well. People were excited about him again. He looked energised again. There was a bit of a bit of spark and a bit of passion, a bit of something back, a bit of life behind his eyes. Because at present, he d- PSG looks like he's sleepwalking in that job. It doesn't look like it excites him. He doesn't look like the same character that was at Tottenham. There, d- there isn't that level of engagement there. I'm not a, a psychologist. I'm guessing from you know seeing a bloke I've never met on TV. So I, I could be talking absolute bollocks, mm. but. You know, I'd rather he went somewhere and looked alive and then it felt like a bit of a coup for Spurs again because that's one thing that Conte has going for him is it felt as like a coup when we signed him. It felt like a big deal that he'd come. That's why we do these Conte comes and we we treat him like he's a, a player and a signing rather than um, 
rather than just a manager because we did, we didn't do any of that for Pochettino because he was just a bloke we nicked off Southampton. When we had Mourinho with his reputation, when we had Conte with his reputation, have Conte with his reputation, there's been that fuss around them and it almost feels as if that's something we have to continue because it would look very bizarre and it would it would be really plain if we went from blockbuster, lead the socials, build everything around him, you know, special features and content built exactly for these people and then we've just got Poch back and we hardly mentioned the bloke and, you know, he's just there in training and does the press conference and stuff and there's not a Pochettino camera or whatever the fuck they're going to call it and all that sort of stuff. It just... I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know whether or not we, we should be looking for the the next Pochettino. That's a, that's the lingering thing for me. There's so many managers coming up. There's so many different people changing. The game changes and adapts and goes mm-hmm. from one step to another so quickly. If we go back to, oh, this is what it used to be like. This is what worked before. We might be missing out on the next bloke who is actually going to build us up and be that next person the I don't know if it is Graham Potter now. He might have been at Brighton just too long. Um, whoever it is that, that is that next exciting appointment, um, I don't know. It, it's it, There's so many variables of it. And I'm just... The underlying thing after all this I've spoken about that I'm trying to say is that I'm just not sure about it anymore. I'm, I'm not sure about anything to do with Tottenham anymore. Mm-hmm. That is my underlying emotion regarding the club. I still want to watch all the games we play. I'm still delighted when we win. I'm still really happy when I get to feel proud and happy to watch us perform and we knock a team about and we play attractive football and score a few goals and Son and Kane and smiling and somebody like Kuliskevsky comes in and, and looks decent and you know, Bentaker spurs a few pass around. Romero kicks somebody into Rosehead. That's happy. You know, Lloris makes a, a world they save. All that makes me happy, but it's fleeting. I don't. I'm not as engaged, or I don't know, mate. I, I, it's just. Do you it think this is very just what still. getting older is, though, mate? Do you think this is part of it? You yeah, know? possibly, hundred percent, mate. I yeah. I, yeah. Do you know? Cause... I I do. Do you know? I do, I do honestly think, like you know, it's great. It's a fantastic memory and everything. Because I don't think the conversation we're having now is one I've had with several Spurs fans. A lot of them, actually, and. Honestly, I I almost feel like there was uh, an element of flying too close to the sun with the Champions League final. I sort of yeah. speculated not too long ago. I would never, ever, ever give up. Like Ajax Amsterdam was the greatest night of my life, bar none. That high was something you know incomparable. Like you know, it yeah. was just better than any drug. Honestly, mm-hmm. it, it, unbelievable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of it's it's there's a there's just a part of me. And it's just it's not a it's not a set in stone idea. It's just a, a theory. Me as a pub philosopher likes to throw around uh, that maybe it just fucked us a bit, you know, because we kind of we've tasted we've tasted something that maybe we weren't supposed to, you know, because I can tell you I can tell you quite honestly, I'd love the day out and everything, but. Winning a League Cup, probably even winning an FA Cup now, you know, depends on the manner of it. You know, if we beat Arsenal in an FA Cup final in a pretty sort of miraculous comeback or something, maybe, you know, but still, when you kind of know you've had one hand, one hand on the trophy of the Champions League of, and doing it in the way that we did it, doing it in that kind of 
Hollywood movie style run to the final that we would have eulogized about forever that we would have spoken about and that was that was the famous Tottenham team of 2019 that went all the way to the fucking Champions League final had no right to do so and beat Liverpool like European royalty in the final yeah. and did it but the fact that it didn't the fact it, the, the manner in which the final went the whimper it went out with I just I in a way, it's kind of like it's. We've spoken about this before, mate, but I, I do think it still lingers a lot because it, it it's set. It's not even about expectation. It's not a sense that we should be winning that. We're Tottenham. No, come on, you should have just enjoyed fun. It's it's nothing to do. It's not it's not coming from a place of entitlement. It's just coming from a place of like, look, like you say, being brutally honest about it. It's not really knowing what to feel. It's not knowing kind of what it is anymore and maybe maybe it just it is a case that we need to stop looking too deeply into this stuff maybe like you say what it really is at the end of the day is going back to basics and just when Tottenham are on the telly you just watch them you enjoy the wins and you don't wallow too much in the defeats and we get a result against Arsenal a few times a year and that's great you know it was just everything it was a very it was a very funny time kind of really when you think about it when you think about the kind of the the emotional investment that you had to put into that Pochettino team um yeah and because that was his entire shtick but obviously the players believed it and obviously he believed it and that's why probably he's so broken now as well because Mm -hmm. he just he disappeared from football for what a year and a half you know yeah just completely disappeared from it like you were saying and that momentum's kind of not carried on and then he's walked into let's be honest like uh, like as I've called him the arsehole of modern football a, <laughs> an absolute nothing club that you know you see kind of fans you see some of their fans on Twitter saying this stuff like and I'll do all those little translate tweet under kind of things where they'll just say like you know we need to get this loser Pochettino out of our team he isn't he isn't right for a club like Pierce. What's a club like PSG, mate? Like, what? What are you? You're you're nothing. You're not Real Madrid. You're not Liverpool. You're not Manchester United. You've not even won the fucking UEFA Cup, Europa League, whatever you want to call it. Even Spurs yeah. have done that twice. You know, I think they've maybe won a cup winners' cup once upon a time, perhaps. But you know, they're not European royalty by any stretch of the imagination. They're not even fucking French league royalty, really. You know, like. They're one of a few all right teams in France, right? But they're not, they, they, they don't, even even to this day, they don't stand out and command the French league. You know, teams like Lyon and Marseille are still kind of keeping up with them with a fraction of the budget that they spend. And I, I, I don't know. I just think that going there is, is funny and it's, it's skewed a lot of stuff. But, you know, maybe there is still stuff to, to, to take, you know, joy in and, Maybe that's Harry Kane. A, yeah, can I ask you a question on... You said maybe it's part of getting older and that's something I want to explore. Like, since getting married, since getting into your 30s, all that sort of stuff, and, you know, post-Pochettino and that sort of thing that we all got caught up in. As a general rule of you kind of... I don't know how. what's the best phrase of it, but are you less invested in Spurs? Is it something you've naturally just not grown out of but grown away from? Is it... Is it something that happens? Because there are plenty of older Spurs fans who, um, who, who Tottenham is the central thing in their life, and 
is is incredibly important to us and obviously is to us as well i mean we have a, a a friendship now for what a decade if not more um making this thing the you know spending our time doing this talking to each other about it, all that it clearly means an awful lot to us but is it is it a case where it's not no longer the be all and end all and just naturally is a, a progression of you know, I don't know maturation and, and changing priorities and and things it just it becomes different and it's something you're able to kind of switch on and off in your psyche a little bit more and I, I, you I, are a... yeah I think it's partly that but you know I also think mate it's actually partly as well um, and I know this is a bit like <laughs> accidental games gone but. I do think football the past few years has changed drastically, you know, and I, I don't think it, I think football has obviously changed bit by bit by bit. It's kind of been picked out, but like you often find with m- most change of anything at all, you know, look at, look at kind of the steady progress, you know, humankind made for the entirety of its existence until suddenly bang, you know, industrialization comes and, fucking we've just exploded from that point and I kind of feel like football's had its you know its moment like that really it's it's just sort of split the atom the past few years and everything's just kind of gone fucking next level because it is hard to I think to to have these kind of bonds with something that is I mean number one I mean we're a part of the problem on this but oversaturation of football like I think Mm -hmm. that is a massive thing I remember like in my day but you know when I was younger like I was just talking to a mate the other day about like kind of the first time I ever saw Fat Ronaldo playing like really properly watching him and appreciating him as a youngster like in the sort of 98 World Cup. I didn't have Sky, I didn't have all that stuff. So my sort of access to football was very, very limited. And then just suddenly, suddenly seeing this like lad just be unlike any other footballer I could imagine, you know, how strong and quick and everything was. And it was just like, it was almost like, you know, I don't want to be too twee about it, but it was always... It was, sense of wonder it was, about it. Yeah, it was quite magical, you know, seeing that. And I just remember, and it sort of stuck with me the whole kind of, you know, the, I think that's why sort of Euro '96 stands out for so many people because obviously England did very well, but there was a, there was just such a, uh, it was just Innocence. such an yeah presence and just an amazing kind of excitement about the whole country for once, like feeling just kind of happy and it not it not really feeling that kind of nasty or jingoistic as most things are that are celebrated in in this country to be honest you know it, it, and I mean I know the the image of like a load of flags of St George being waved in Wembley Stadium probably doesn't scream not jingoistic but uh, there was I don't know it, it, there was just something quite different about it and it, it, I don't feel that there are these kind of cultural or significant kind of landmarks in sport as there once was you know like world cups and stuff kind of blend into one and league seasons blend into one and it it and I think like I say I think a lot of this is about kind of the how information is shared now you know the internet the oversaturation of kind of communication of entertainment of everything that has led to just less of a kind of t- I mean this is this is a much wider topic I mean I could talk about this in 
the arts and entertainment and cinema and everything kind of like you know binge watching culture we were all kind of a victim to it but you know we all watched 10 15 series most people i know are watching three four different series at the same time all going on and some of them stand out as being amazing you know you get the odd one like succession that a lot of people love which ironically enough is still done on an episodic week by week basis which perhaps that makes something more of a, a cultural event or something i don't know but you know it's a it's a far cry from the days of when everybody would sit around at nine o'clock and watch whatever film or you know ruth rendell or whatever you know <laughs> silent witness thing was on at that time and then they would all talk about it afterwards, you know, make a cup of tea or call their mate and talk about the thing that every that the whole country had just watched. It's a different thing now. And I think that this doesn't mean that it's I'm I'm not kind of approaching this from the angle of like everything's gone shit. It's again, it's just I think we are we're existing in a point of great change, I think, as people in the society in sport that we're just kind of realigning our values on a lot of things at the moment. Um, and so the way in which I guess people probably of our age learnt to make connections with stuff and to really kind of draw emotion from a situation is rapidly changing. And I think at the moment it's just a case of having to realign how we do that. How do we derive joy from these things do you do we set ourselves limits on stuff now because you're starting to see people do that you're starting to see people say like well i need less screen time i need to because we've all had this big toy that we've been able to play with for the past few years of having our phones on us constantly and having twitter and instagram and everything constantly 24 7 but it seems to be that we're all kind of learning on the job we're learning as we go along that maybe that isn't the best for me maybe that's not the best for my mental health maybe that's not the best for me to kind of draw joy from the world and from people around me maybe we need and maybe that's just what it is with sport at the moment because you know it's in a completely different place to anybody's ever known it and I think it's like I say I think things always change but I just think that the level of change has come very very quickly and you know even just if we make this more a Spurs point you know We've knocked down White Hart Lane. We've had a pandemic where we haven't been able to kind of bed into that new stadium. Tottenham have gone from being a kind of also ran comedy kind of side note club that we've all just really enjoyed the odd result against Arsenal that we would ever get or even a good performance against Arsenal and every now and again having a good player to to rally behind whether it was Sheringham whether it was Ginola Klinsman or something you know Tottenham always one of my mates that like he's a West Ham fan but he said the, the thing I've always been jealous of about with Tottenham is you always have a player like you'll always have a player that's far too good to play for you and you've <laughs> always had that and it's true I think we have always had that and now though we've got a lot of players like that we're a very good team um and maybe again we're just again it's another realignment of what we are and what our expectations should be should we even have expectations I don't know I've been rambling for a long time here and this has gone kind of into a place that I didn't think it would go to but you know it's it's what we're here for isn't it mate this is this is what you bring out in me <laughs> yeah well it's nice mate um no I, I kind of agree with what you're saying it's it is a, a symptom of things that are wider than just football but football is a is a large part of that as well uh, I was more just getting your 
Your your take on it as well. The reason I asked you is because I'm a couple of years behind you, aren't I? I'm, what thirty in September? Just crazy because what, 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 right? Less than twenty when we started this. God, don't don't tell the. They'll be, they'll be not, checking my hard drive, mate. If you're... No, but you know you're not that much older than me. But you know, both married men now and all that sort of stuff. It's we're in different stages of our lives, and I'm entering a stage of my life that you've been in for a little while. And I just I didn't know whether or not it was a natural thing that happened because obviously you, like I say, you see older blokes and what have you that Spurs is the is still the be all and end all, and it's the most important thing and and everything. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but people's lives take different shapes and, and, and different, you know, journeys and what have you and you just sometimes you can't build your life around around certain things and, you, and it can't be what it was to you before. Like when Spurs was its most important thing to me, that was when I was, you know, a single man with nothing else to really put my heart and soul into mm. uh, away from work or anything like that. And uh, almost a philosophical level that not that it filled a void, but it, it gave me a place to concentrate that energy not that it doesn't anymore and and you know I, you know still have an, an irrational love and hate and everything there was you know I was coming back from a game it was a city game actually I was coming back from a, a game I'd worked and you know I, I, the last beep that had gone on my phone was to all and sort of headed gone and then one of the lads behind me shouted that oh you just got winner and fucking lost me shit and you know I was buzzing and it still brings out of me where I'm like hey fucking spurs like you know, when we went to Ellen Road and spanked them and got Bielsa sacked, and I was absolutely buzzing my tits off. Like, he still has the ability to make me feel things and do things that nothing else in my life ever has or yeah. ever will, um, in a really special way that I don't ever want to lose. Um, but, you know, thinking about it reflectively, like, I saw that change in my old man as he got older. He was a, a Spurs season ticket older when I was a kid, and, yeah, you know, he, even at my age, you, you you won't see him on evenings or or you know, weekends where it was a match day because he'd disappear early in the morning to get down from from the north to to London, and then he'd come back in the evening. And um, you know, as he got older, he, you know, he we wanted to watch every game that were on telly. I remember, you know, there used to be like box office Premier League um, back in the day. I think it was Premier League Plus on top of your, on top of your Sky Sports um, subscription. He used to buy those games that Spurs run. I think even the... I think the one I remember most is the, the Pedro Mendes from halfway at Old Trafford. I think that was one he had to pay extra for and we stayed up together and watched that and got robbed there and what have you. And Just more as he's got older, it's become something that, you know, his appointment viewing to... He'll watch it on his phone if he needs to or... You know, if he's got gardening to do or if he's got this to do with me mum or my sister or something, he'll, you know, just keep up with the scores. But mm. he's still involved. He still cares. We were at dinner the other night for something and it was somebody's birthday and, like, it was when we were spanking somebody. He kept, like, just sort fingers come up when the notifications came through from under the table where he's, like, putting two up for 2-0, 3-0, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We're smiling, nodding at each other. But, you know, in days gone by, we'd have just fucking stayed at home and watched the game or he'd have been there and... It just changes, doesn't it? It's it's an odd one. It's a really strange thing, and it's just it's how something remains equally important, but you make room for other important things as well. It's just um, it's a it's a strange shift, isn't it, when you enter this part of your life? And it's almost as if once you, once we get through this, Jack, and we we reach the end of adulthood, and then other things become less important. Spurs becomes more important again because it's 
you do notice that, don't you, that the people who are most involved are the really young lads or the older blokes. Like, it's, mm. they've got through that middle period of life and then like, oh, we've got more time for Spurs again. Exactly. I um, mean, I think, you know, as well, maybe just if Spurs, because what it is worth saying on that note is, you know, how you're saying a few years ahead of you is that, you know, I kind of started to feel that way. And then the whole Pochettino thing came and I was as drawn into Tottenham as I've ever been, you know? Yep. So it's, it, 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 it is what it is. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I guess maybe it's just one of those things. Just try and enjoy it as best you can because there is still plenty, and I still do. This is the thing. I don't want this. I don't want anybody to come away from this thinking like, oh, you know, it's really negative. He's really down on top of them. Not at all. You know, I'm actually the thing is, in a way, I'm finding it quite liberating this season to enjoy the wins. I loved, I loved the the Villa win. I was absolutely buzzing, but I wasn't completely and utterly distraught after the Brighton loss. And I kind of I know it will be annoying for a for a for a few days, but I won't be absolutely destroyed should Arsenal finish ahead of us. It's gonna happen sooner or later. You know, it just is and like I was sort of I tweeted about it last night and just kind of what we're talking about now. Seasons blend into one, you know. We'll have a couple of you know, a couple of weeks of memes of St Tottenham's Day stuff, then it'll disappear, the next season starts and we go again. And last season, yep. it just doesn't really matter anymore. You know, it just it just doesn't. Um, do you think we'll finish top four? If we go, go back to a more Tottenham-centric thing? Um, come back into the real world from the fantasy that we've been living in. Uh, yes, I, I, I do. I, I think yeah, I think a... we will. Um, I think we will. I think it, it, it's, it's ours at this stage to lose. I think we should, uh, we should be beating Arsenal at home. We've got Brentford coming up. Christian Eriksen's transformed them. He's out of contract in summer. Are you taking him back? I would, yeah. I wouldn't have let him go in the first place. But yeah, I'd take him back if he's sort of if he's re energized and, and wants to play for Spurs again and, and that sort of a thing, then yeah, hundred percent. I'm kinda of happy that he's doing well and that he's oh, enjoying so. his kind brilliant. of life and his career. And I, I almost just don't want him to come back into to, for this sort of similar to the Pochettino <laughs> thing. And it's not I, I, t- I tweeted something about this not long ago, and people were taking it as I was doing this because he wanted to leave. It's, it's nothing to do with that at all. It's it's pretty much similar to what you very nicely kind of put forward earlier about Pochettino. It's just kind of how I feel about Ericsson. Like I actually, for the most part, loved Ericsson. He's one of my favourite players of all time from Tottenham. Yeah, all right. I would moaned about him saying he wanted to quit and. I still kind of feel like he downed tools a little bit in his last kind of season at Tottenham, but he's a young man. He wanted to try something else. It's understandable. It's absolutely fine. But I'm sort of in that place where I'm just like, just lad, maybe just stay at Brentford, be the main man, and just enjoy it. Just enjoy. He's better kind than of... that, though. With no, with no disrespect to Brentford, he's he's well. Better of course, than he that. is. He is. And I do you know what I think. Really, my horrible feeling is he's going. I don't want to... him to go to Newcastle. And I think he'll go United, mate. I've, they've uh, been sniffing possibly. around him for a few weeks now. Apparently, I won't mind that a little bit of a swan song for him. Yeah, at a big maybe. Club, like, maybe for Ten Hag and what have you. But yeah, it'll be. I mean, it's uh, also. I just I've, I've stolen this point, but. Uh, uh, anybody on Danish Twitter or anybody on Twitter at all will know a lad called Mark Nesbitt and he was talking on one of Flav's Fighting Cock Pods the other day um, basically saying that they did an interview a few weeks back with Ericsson um, talking about you know him everything he's gone through and how great it is to see him play in Premier League football again 
and they sort of put to him like you know do you think you'll go to do you think you'll go back to Spurs then because Conte's spoken about you and you know he, he his answer was should we say it was very dismissive Mark seemed to say that it was like a it was like a nah, never that's a closed chapter that's kind of a, a a part of my life that's over and done with now so I okay I don't really even think it's a a, a conversation anymore to be honest so okay um which is you know is what it is um I did want to sort of expand more into talking about Harry Kane now that Haaland's signed for Manchester City, but we have Has already, he? Well, seemingly so. Um, okay. But let's we'll save that for another day until that actually is confirmed um, okay. or not. But it has been it's been lovely been lovely chatting to you this afternoon, mate. This is I hope you know I I, I hope don't really care if people have enjoyed it or not. I would like it if they had enjoyed it, but you know we've. Sort of, it's felt it's felt like an old school one today, mate. Just chatting about what we've got to chat about and getting it out there, you know. Yeah, it's nice to get existential with you every now and then. Speaking about getting older, I've you know this is in between me having been on the uh, phone for an hour with my <laughs> television providers and then going out and doing the gardening. So it's nice to have, have spent a bit of time chatting to you. Yeah, well, same to you, mate. Um, are we beating Brentford? I'd hope so. I, I just want us to. This is the thing with Conte, I'm slightly bitching about him, but I do have a lot of confidence in us going into most games now. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns